Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. We're in a sermon series now called, uh, What Are, what are the, Some of the Big Questions About Christmas? And this morning we're going to be talking about what are we missing in all of our celebration and all of our decorations. What are we missing about the Christmas season? And we're going to look at a lot of different verses of Scripture, a lot of different things. So get your Bible out, get it handy, uh, open up your, your cell phone and act like you're not on Facebook, that you're on the Bible app, uh, and uh, get ready to, to follow along here. But what am I missing? Uh, there's a lady by the name of Melanie Blaze in Colorado who gets up every morning. She's got a, a window and her cat sleeps right at the window. She opens the window and the cat goes out and plays in the yard for a few minutes. She did that this week, uh, walked back through and said, what am I missing here? Something seems to be strange. She saw the cat sleeping in the, in the bed. She walks into the other room and then she sees her cat there. And she says, okay, there's something wrong here. If the cat's here, he can't be there. So she goes, she looks, and it's not a cat. It's a fox that had come in through the window. Got a picture uh, right here of the fox uh, that is there. She said the fox seemed perfectly content, was not going to leave. So she finally had to try to take the little bed, jiggle it, and finally the fox slowly got up and went out the window and left but missing something. So what are we missing about Christmas? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to start all the way over in the book of Revelation, chapter 12. Seems a strange place to start a Christmas story, but Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. And the first thing we see is this. One of the things we miss about Christmas is that Christmas isn't the nice, sanitized, sweet story that we sometimes take it to be Christmas was an invasion of hostile territory. Christmas was an invasion of hostile territory. Over in Revelation chapter 12, we have a different view of the Christmas story. Look down to verse 1. There a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her foot, feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Another sign appeared in heaven. An enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns swept seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth that it might devour her child the moment it was born. And she gave birth to a son, a male child who was to rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness." Now, that doesn't sound like a nice, uh, sweet little story, does it? Uh, you, you have the story of a great conflict that's going on, of a desperate situation, of a Savior that's being born, of one that's not only opposing the birth of this one that's being born, but it's going to try to kill it the second that that child is born. That's a much different take on the Christmas story. Christmas was not just a nice little uh, birth of a baby that, oh, isn't that nice and sweet and isn't he a great guy? It's an invasion of hostile territory. It's like D-Day all over again. Think of Christmas this way. The world that we are living in is a world that is under a curse. 
We have the curse of sin that has come since the Garden of Eden that is taking people away from God and causing unbelievably bad things to happen in this world. We have the curse of death that has come into the world, that because of sin, people die. And it seems to be a hopeless cycle of sin and evil and death. And yet Christmas is about one who came to intervene into that situation. One who came to make a difference, to relieve the curse, to break the bonds that were holding us. So the sin that you have, that curse was going to be broken by that baby going to the cross and suffering and dying for your sins. Now, that's not something we sing about with great joy sometimes, but that's what Christmas is all about. In a desperate, hurting world, a Savior was born to die for your sins. In the same way, we're told that the curse of death was going to be broken because of this child, because after his death, he would rise from the grave. So his death would lead to his resurrection, which will lead to your resurrection. So this is, this, is, this is not a nice, clean, sanitized story. This is a very tough story that we're talking about that we sometimes don't even like to listen to. I remember when I pastored in Virginia on Christmas Eve every year, we would uh, take the Lord's Supper like, like we do here. And uh, one time afterwards, a, a lady came up to me and she said, why do we take the Lord's Supper on Christmas Eve? I don't like it. Christmas is such a happy time, and it reminds me of something that's not as happy. And I said, well, then you're missing the whole point of what Christmas is. Christmas is Jesus being born, but it's not about the birth of a baby. We celebrate it because of what that baby was going to do. He grows up and dies on the cross to forgive you of your sins. It's not the sweet little story we often hear about. There's a whole lot more going on. A lady by the name of uh, Cindy Eastwood lives in Orlando, Florida. And uh, the other day she was outside. They have a cat that's only 11 months old. A lot of cat stories today. Uh, 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 that just kind of occurred to me. Cat that's 11 months old. And when they were out there, she noticed her daughter was laying in the grass with her back up against uh, the fence. And her, her daughter, who was only like uh, seven years old, seemed really afraid. And suddenly this, this small cat a kitten, 11-month-old kitten, suddenly gets its, its bristles, uh, goes charging across the yard and dives in front of her daughter. And she said the next thing she knows, things are going everywhere, grass is flying, and there's a huge uh, rattlesnake that this cat is fighting. The rattlesnake ends up leaving, not before it bites the cat a couple of times, but the cat saved the daughter from being bit. Uh, and afterwards, the cat was taken to the vet. Vet says the cat's going to be fine. Got a picture of them uh, after the incident took place, and they are there together. Now, you tell this story later on. You're Cindy, and you're telling the story about your daughter. Do you say, Oh, it was, it's so sweet. You know, it was a beautiful day and, and, and the cat, well, you know, his fur was gleaming and the, no, that's not how you tell the story. You tell the story with drama and excitement. Oh my goodness. It was a terrible situation. My daughter could have been killed and out of the middle of nowhere, the mighty kitten shows up and dives into that Eastern Diamondback rattlesnake. A huge battle ensues and my daughter was saved. She's okay. That's how you tell that story. Well, believe it or not, that's how we were supposed to be telling the Christmas story. It's entirely different than we sometimes take it to be. Christmas was an invasion. That brings us to the second thing that we see in our scripture passage. Christmas involves some very unlikely characters. Christmas involves some very unlikely characters. Some strange people 
are involved in the Christmas story. Anybody here uh, think about friends you had in high school or college like that? Who could say if you really went through the list, you said, yeah, there were some pretty uh, unusual people uh, that would be in my story if it was told. Anybody? If you didn't raise your hand, you may be the unusual person in the story that, that people would be telling when they were there or not. Well, let's look at some of the unusual people that are in the story here. Uh, first of all, you have Zechariah and Elizabeth. And most of you are going, who are Zechariah and Elizabeth? I didn't even know they were in the story at all. Zechariah and Elizabeth are the parents of John the Baptist. And what we see about them is this. Zechariah and Elizabeth were just too old. They were just too old. So here you have this couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth. They're faithful. They're good. Uh, they're, they're devout. And yet they've had something that stayed with them their whole life. And that's this. They've always wanted to have children. And now they're both too old to have kids. And, and so they, even though they love God, they believe in God, they're devout, they always have this sense that somehow God didn't come through. Sometime, somehow God held out on them a little bit. And now it's too late for them to achieve anything like that. But then the angel appears to Zechariah in the temple. He tells them that Elizabeth's going to give birth and uh, that they're going to have this child. He's going to be the forerunner to the Messiah. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 18. Luke chapter 1, verse 18. So what do you say? Hey, after all these years, all of your disappointment's going to be gone. You're going to have this baby. It's going to be great. He's going to be a great prophet. And in verse 18, Zechariah says to the angel, how can this be? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. I've been sent to tell you good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you didn't believe my words, which the Lord will make true at their appointed time. So for Zechariah, he was just too old. Couldn't happen. He'd been disappointed in life. If that's your case, if you look at your life and as you go through it, you say, hey, you know what? Uh, I believe in God. I come to church every Sunday, but somehow I just feel like God's been holding out on me. Somehow I'm just disappointed in things that have happened. Life hasn't quite ended up the way that I thought it should. Uh, you know, I didn't quite ever get the job I wanted. I, I didn't finish this degree. Uh, my relationships didn't work out the way I thought. I'm not the multi-billionaire I thought I was going to be, you know, when I first started college or something like that. And if life seems to be somehow disappointing you, then what you need to understand is Christmas is for you. That's what the Christmas story is all about. Christmas is about uh, uh, Jesus coming to a world that was full of disappointment. Fallen people living in a fallen world. We just finished a sermon series. And the point of the sermon series is you're never going to find everything you're looking for and want in this world. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you put into it, you're never going to get out of this world everything you want. For a lot of reasons. There are sinful fallen people and people are always going to disappoint you. So if you're looking at people to give you what you want out of this world, a relationship uh, with another person out of your children, uh, your friends, you're going to be constantly disappointed in life. If you're looking for this life to never give you any problems and never give you any troubles and you're never going to get sick and no one you love is never going to die, then, then you're going to be constantly disappointed in this world. But Jesus came saying those curses of sin and death, I've come to do something about them. I've come to somehow free people from what is holding them down the most. 
as I get older and sicker myself in life, uh, one of the things I have noticed over and over again is how many people are hurting. The other day we had, I think it was 17 people in our staff meeting. And at the end of staff meeting, we always go around and we share prayer requests. The prayer request time was probably longer than the staff meeting. And everybody in the room of all different ages were sharing things in their lives that were very traumatic, very hurtful. And I'm looking around the room at these 17 people, a microcosm of our church and world, and thinking there's not one person in this table that isn't somehow hurting right now. And that's the world that we live in. But Jesus came to a hurting world to say, I am Emmanuel. I am God with us, here to love you, to care for you, to always be with you. If you are hurting and disappointed in life, then Christmas is for you. The second group of unlikely characters were Mary and Joseph. Now you think, Mary and Joseph, I mean, man, they're in the nativity scene. How can, what's wrong with that? Well, Mary and Joseph probably weren't the people you want, you had thought that they were going to be. Mary and Joseph were too young and too poor. If Zechariah and Elizabeth were too old and too disappointed in life, Mary and Joseph were too young and too poor. Now, you had Mary, who was just a teenage girl at the time they were married. Joseph, who was just a carpenter. And when they got together, they didn't have a lot of possessions. They were a very poor couple. How do I know that? Well, over in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, look down to uh, verse 8. This is after Jesus was born. And uh, how about Luke chapter 2? Verse 22, who would rather do that? Wait, I'm not even following my outline, am I? Yes, I am, am I? Keep me out, keep me straight back there. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jim. Yes, all right, Luke, Luke, wait a second. Hey, Luke chapter two, verse 22. You have a really interesting story after the birth of Jesus. They taught us in speech class, just go on like you didn't mess up. Yeah, you know, so, you know, Luke chapter 2, verse 22, Jesus has been born. They're going to the temple for the rites of purification after the birth of a child. The rites of purification say this. When the child is born, you are to offer a lamb for the, for, to God for the birth of the child. Let's look at what Mary and Joseph do. Verse 22 of chapter 2. When the time came for the purification rites were crawled by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice in what is keeping with the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, that's different than a lamb, isn't it? A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Why did they offer that? Leviticus 12, verse 8. If you cannot afford a lamb, you are to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons as your offering. So here are Mary and Joseph. The child that's just been born is miraculous. Mary was a virgin. The only two people in the world that know that for sure are Mary and Joseph. They know this is God's son. The most important day of their life, the dedication of their child in the temple. They can't afford the right offering. They have to give two turtle doves and a pair of pigeons because they can't afford what the law said. You see, if you're here today and you're struggling with everything this world says that you're supposed to have, 
If you're struggling with paying the bills and and wondering how you're going to buy all the right Christmas presents for your child when his friends want all these things and you all just can't afford them, if you're looking at all of that in life, then you need to know Christmas is for you. Because Christmas isn't about the best and the brightest and the most expensive present. Christmas is about Jesus Christ coming to you in your hurt and in your desperation with the love and the grace of God that overcomes everything else. When I was in seminary, I pastored Buckner Baptist Church, and every Christmas season they did an, uh, uh, an outdoor nativity scene, which, by the way, never do an outdoor nativity scene, okay? It is, it is December in Kentucky, folks, okay? It is freezing to death out there, and you are working with children and animals, and, you know, you, you, you've heard people say, never work with children and animals. So, so you know, you're, you're out there, the, the animals are running down the street, the kids are crying, you're freezing to death, and uh, cars going by are throwing beer cans at you and things, you know, and, and in the joy of the season. And so you're having your outdoor nativity scene because we wanted to bring Christmas cheer to the world, you know, that, that we were there. And one night we were doing that, you know, I, I'm trying to, to freeze myself, and a car pulls in. And this young lady gets out holding a baby, and she's crying. And so we go over and go, hey, what's wrong? And she said, well, she said, I'm a single mom. I've just had a baby, and uh, the hot water heater went out in my house, and uh, then all the power went out, and I, I don't know what's wrong, and, and, and I don't know what to do. And so a couple of the guys said, I tell you what, we're going to leave the code of the outdoor nativity scene, and we're going to go see if we can help this lady. Of course, they were the wise men that were, that were in the nativity scene. And I said, okay, well, if you have to pay anything, let me know, and the church, church will compensate you. They're gone until, like, the second the nativity scene's over, and then they show back up. And they come in and said, hey, the power was just a fuse. We replaced it like that. We went to Lowe's, bought a hot water heater, and put it in. And everything's fine now. And uh, I said, well, do you got the bills? And they looked at me and they said, Chip, when we left, that young girl started crying and crying and telling us, thank you so much. And we want you to know something. That's the best Christmas gift we've ever had in our entire life. There's no way we would charge you for this bill. You see, they found out what Christmas was all about. It wasn't about bright lights and decorations. It was that Jesus Christ has come for you. A third group of unlikely people were the shepherds. The shepherds simply lived a different lifestyle, a different lifestyle. Chapter 2 of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verse 8. This is the one I wanted you to read earlier and had to stop myself uh, in the middle of it. So chapter 2, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So here you have these shepherds. They're out in the field in the middle of the night. Now, we think of shepherds, again, with a romanticized notion. Shepherds in Jesus' day and age weren't considered the best people in the world. It was not considered a glamorous job because of the things they did and the way they worked with the animals. They weren't even allowed into the temple without purification. They would have to go through a week of purification just to go to the temple to worship. They were considered uh, uh, not very reliable. As a matter of fact, a shepherd's testimony in Jesus' day and age was not even accepted in a court of law uh, because of the kind of people they were considered to be. And so when the announcement of the birth of Jesus came, who would you announce it to? God's son has been born. 
You would announce it to kings and mayors and, and governors and presidents and all the, the millionaires. That's who you would announce it to. You'd have it on e-news, you know, People Magazine. You know, you'd let everybody know. But when Jesus was born, the only people that were told were a group of shepherds who couldn't even worship in the temple or testify in a court of law because of their unreliability of their, of their conduct. And yet when the angels showed up, they said something very interesting to them. Look at verse 10 of chapter 2. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So can you imagine right there that when those angels came to these unexpecting shepherds, they were told a Savior has been born for you. So these aren't very good people. These are unreliable people. These are sinful people. These are people who have made a lot of mistakes and can't even testify in a court of law. Guess what? You're the people Jesus came for. If you think Jesus only came for the nice, upright uh, people that never mess up, you'd be wrong. Because you know who those people are? They don't exist. All of us are sinners and none of us deserve what God has done for us. And Jesus came to save sinners, of which Paul and I say, I am the chief. And so that's why Jesus came. It's an entirely different thing than we might think. You know, every year with the TAP school, we, at Christmas time, uh, we, we take in the gift cards to give to the girls. If you don't know anything about the TAP school, uh, just down the street here, about a mile, it's for uh, teenage girls that have had children while they were in high school, and it's an opportunity for them to still go to school and uh, have those children cared for. And they don't get a lot of attention at the TAP school. It's, it's, not, it's not something where they get a lot of help or a lot of attention, and we do several things with them throughout the year. One of the things that we do is we provide Christmas gift cards for the girls to go out and buy whatever they want uh, for their children. And they make them, I don't know they make them, but we always get gift card, we always get cards back thanking us. And last year, two of the cards broke my heart. One of the cards said, I know you probably think I'm a bad person, and I can't believe you would want to help me. Now think about that for a second. A young teenage girl, probably coming from a terrible home situation, that has had a baby just doing the best she can to get by and survive in life. And her view of Christians and the church is, I'm sure you don't like me very much and you think I'm a bad person. Is that what we project? Is that what people think of us? That, oh yeah, we're so much better than everybody else and you're a bad person. Or do we understand that Christmas is about we were without hope and God had to make an invasion to save you and me? Because when we begin to look at it that way, there aren't good people and bad people. There are people that have found the love and grace of God and the people that yet haven't found that. And Christmas is about the love and grace of Jesus. One other group, the Magi. The Magi over in Matthew chapter 2. The Magi were a different race and a different culture than the people in Palestine. Man, that's an unusual group of people then right there. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. 
After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where's the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. Who were these Magi? We're told they came from the east. This was most likely what we would consider uh, in that day and age Persia, today Iran, and they had seen the star in the east. These were stargazers. These were astrologers. They weren't even the same faith uh, as the people in Israel. They were looking up. They saw a star. They took it to be of a king. They followed it for two and a half years until they got to the place where the star rested. They were probably a, a different culture for sure, most likely a different race, and they were a different way of looking at and believing in God. And besides the shepherds, they were the only other people the announcement of the birth of Jesus went to. So what does that tell us today? It tells us that when we look at the world, Jesus is the Savior of all people. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter uh, what culture you come from. It doesn't matter uh, what nation you may be. There's only one race, if you read the Bible correctly, and it is the human race. And I don't care if you are red, green, yellow, black, white, or polka dotted. You are a child of God that God loves and that Jesus came to forgive. And so we look at this then and we see different things than we sometimes do. Christmas is a different way of looking at the world than we sometimes think. Do you know churches can sometimes be the most segregated places in the world? Uh, some churches, you will, you will see more people of one, of one skin color at a church than you will any other place you'll go to the entire day long. We tend to segregate ourselves. Now, luckily, our church isn't that way. We could do a whole lot better. But the church should be made up of everyone because everyone is a child of God. This is how uh, the book of Revelation puts it. Uh, when John got a glimpse of heaven, uh, he said this. After this, I looked up and before me was a great multitude that no one can count. They came from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, and they stood before the throne praising God. Now that's heaven. Every nation, every people, every language standing before the throne praising God. And so Christmas should cause us to break down our prejudices uh, the way that we, we, we separate people and it should cause us to see everyone as brothers and sisters in Christ that Jesus came to give hope to. The unlikely characters in the Bible say it doesn't matter who you are, where you've come from, or what you've done, Christmas is about and for you. So we've seen two things. Christmas was an invasion. Christmas had some unlikely characters. The last thing we're going to see is that Christmas happened in a most unusual place and with very little fanfare. A most unusual place and with very little fanfare. Look back to Luke chapter 2 again. Luke chapter 2, verse 6. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son, wrapped him in clothes, placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. Now, if you were God and you were going to have your son born, what kind of place would you have him, the birth, take place? When uh, Alyssa and Andrew were born in Virginia, uh, Stonewall Jackson Memorial Hospital. Uh, you, know, you know you're in the South, uh, in Virginia. Uh, they only had one birthing room. 
They had one baby doctor, or I guess they had two baby doctors, two baby doctors and one birthing room. And so Dawn and I went through the birthing classes. And they told us, as soon as you think the contractions are happening, call the hospital and reserve the birthing room. It's not who gets here first, it's who reserves it first. Well, one of the baby doctors was a female who was pregnant at the time. So Dawn says, might be a contraction. And I go, whoa, reserve baby room, you know. And uh, we get there and the baby doctor is having her baby at the same time. She gets to the hospital and they tell her, sorry, we're going to have to put you in a regular room. Do you know why? Because the Pendleton's got the birthing room. They're not here yet. Might be a couple of hours, but they've reserved that baby. So we have that room all reserved because that's the way we roll. You know, that's just the way it is. If you were God, where would you have your son born? He was born in a cave and placed in a sheep's feeding trough. Is that how you would have done it? Seems pretty unlikely, doesn't it? How unusual and why would it be in that kind of a situation? Makes no sense at all. But what God was saying in unmistakable terms to the unlikely people who were told about the birth and to where the child was born is that this isn't what you think it is. This is a major deal where God has come to a hurting world that is desperate with true hope. It's not about fanfare. It's not about everything being nice and comfortable and cozy and the way you'd like it in a perfect world. It's about a world that is not perfect with hurting people and he's coming to that world and he's identifying with it. Put me in a sheep's feeding trough. Stick me in a cave. I've come for the most desperate in this world to give them hope. You hear the things we sometimes miss about Christmas. We know all of the stories. We've heard them over and over again. But sometimes we miss what the stories are really all about. And that brings us to the last thing that we see. Even though we sometimes look at Christmas and we miss these things, these things happen for an important reason. They changed everything for all time. When Jesus came into a hurting, desperate world... It changed everything for all time. Look over to the book of Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 4 of the book of Galatians. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law. So the first thing we see as we get started here... When the time was fully come, Jesus was born to redeem us. What's redemption mean? Sounds like a big theological return term. Redemption simply means this. God paid the price to buy you back to him. You were sold to sin and death. And when Jesus was born, God was paying the price to bring you back. And the ultimate price was going to be the death of his son. But Galatians 4 does not end there to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption as his children. You are his children. God sent the spirit of God into your hearts. The spirit that causes you to cry out, Abba, Father. 
You're not a slave any longer. You are God's very child. And if you are his child, you are the heir of his kingdom. When Jesus came, it changed everything. It took you from being a slave to sin and death to being redeemed and then adopted as God's child and an heir to God's kingdom. If you want to know a reason to celebrate at Christmas, how about this? I was lost in my sins and facing death and hell. And Jesus came and forgave me of my sins. And now God has adopted me into his family. And I'm an heir of everything that's God's. You want to know a reason to rejoice at Christmas? That's it. It's not a simple, easy story, though. Sometimes it changes the way we look at Christmas but we sure have a lot more meaning when we do. It's a guy in Pickering, Ontario, by the name of Glenn Oliver. And a week or two ago, he decided to end his life. And one of the last things he was going to do before he went home to kill himself was that he was going to get him a cup of coffee to get a little caffeine going, a little stimulus to, to help him do it. So he went through a Tim Hortons drive through window uh, and was waiting for his coffee. And when he got up to the, to the drive through window... The, the uh, barista hands him his cup and says, the person in front of you paid for your coffee and said to tell you Merry Christmas and have a great day. Hands him the coffee. Well, Glenn says he takes the coffee and he thought, well, that was nice. And he drives home thinking about that guy and what he'd done. He gets home to kill himself, gets out. The lady across the street, an elderly lady, was helping, was trying to get her groceries in and was having trouble with the bags. And he thought, well, somebody help me today. I guess the last thing I can do on this earth is to help somebody else. So he walked over and he helped her take her groceries in. When he did, the lady hugged him, kissed him on the cheek, and said, you're the best neighbor in the world. Merry Christmas. Have a great day. The exact same thing the barista had said to him. He went in the house, sat down on the floor, started crying, and gave himself to Christ. My friends, that's a Christmas story. It's not as happy as some might be. It's not as sanitized, but it's a true story of Christmas. It's even struck people in Ontario, Canada. I got a picture right here of, of Glenn and, and uh uh, the decision that, that he had made and how it made his whole life a little bit different because he went through that Tim Hortons uh, that day. That's Christmas. That's what it's about. In a hurting world, God has come to give hope. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you that Christmas is so much more than we make it and so much more important. Father, there are reasons for lights and celebration and gifts, but it goes beyond what we think, and it hits at the very core of who we are as people. Help us to celebrate with meaning. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, 
MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.